Hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 324 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel we have Jeremy Green. Hey everybody. And I'm Ruben Lerner, and we're going to talk this week about client scheduling and communication. So Jeremy, why don't you, why don't you introduce the topic to us? Yeah, so uh, you know, very often when, when when you're working on a project for a client, there are bits and pieces of it that require either materials from them or information from them or a review at some particular time uh, or really, you know, it, there's a whole lot of things that can happen that are require action from the client and are time sensitive and that if they're not done in time, that will impact the final delivery date uh, and the whole schedule of the whole project. And sometimes uh, it falls on you as the freelancer or the contractor to kind of hold your clients responsible for keeping up their end of the schedule. Um, And sometimes that can feel like it shouldn't be your job. And sometimes it can feel uh, tricky to, you know, kind of be badgering your client about the stuff that they need to give you so that you can finish the project. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about ways that you can handle that, uh, you know, strategy, strategies you can use to keep clients on time and on task when you need to. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to like pull us back even a little further than that. Um, which is to say, cause like, because I don't do a lot of project work anymore, although I certainly have plenty of stories from that. Um, like nowadays I find that I'm often waiting for clients to get back to me about proposals. And that's typically like in my case with courses, just like mm. dates. So they say to me, can you do a course? I'm like, yes. They say, when can you do it? And I say, well, here are the dates. And then I wait to hear back from them and if like, and the problem is, meanwhile, I've heard from someone else, and they say, "So, do you have any dates?" So, um, so I often am sort of waiting in limbo like that, and like my simple solution is, I email them and I say, "Hey, I need to know soon because there are other people interested in those dates." And I figure this is a no lose situation because if they then get back to me and say, "Yes, we'll take those dates," because they felt the pressure, then fantastic. And if they don't feel the pressure or if they don't respond, then I feel like, okay, you know, I've given them fair warning and I can give it to someone else. Um, I sometimes even like push a little, I, I won't like straight out lie, but I'll, I'll say something like, well, if you don't get back to me soon, I often have people interested in working with me. And so like, you know, I, I need to know soon so I can give the dates to someone else. 
Um, and that usually forces an answer out of them. I just had that actually recently where there's a client who had really been pursuing me to do some, uh, like a, um, a, a course and it didn't work out at first. And then he talked about other dates. I said, okay, are we locking those dates? He said, well, I don't know. So I said, okay, other people want, he said, they're yours, free them up. But like it forced him to, to make a decision. Um, which, which I thought was very useful, certainly useful for me, because now I, I have these dates, I can shop around to people. Yeah, I've definitely run into that as well, uh, about questions about availability. Uh, and um, I've handled that in two different ways. Uh, you know, if we're still early in the conversation, and I'm still trying to, I guess if it's before the proposal stage, and they're kind of unsure if, I need to get them a proposal. Um, I will often just say, "Hey, I've got some other people that are, you know, looking interested. Uh, if you want to get some some of my time locked down, we need to get this moving along and get something figured out." Uh, if I have offered a proposal, I usually put an expiration date on those of, you know, a week or two weeks. That if they haven't accepted it, the proposal expires uh, and. If they want to pull the trigger after that, then it's going to require a new proposal with new dates and, you know, new timelines and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I've heard of people doing proposals with like uh, deadlines on them. And I never thought it until now, until you explained it, why it's a useful thing to do. Because I was like, who cares? Whenever they want to do it, my availability is my availability. But I guess there, there's a certain expectation with a proposal that you'll be available and that makes it clear they have to make a decision sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, and oftentimes, you know, I deal with clients that want their want the project done by a certain time. And so in order to meet the deadline that they have, you know, it requires that the project start at a particular time, which kind of requires that they have accepted the proposal by a particular time. Uh, and so I you know, usually try to build that in for the, you know, completion date reasons um, and also for uh, pricing reasons. You know, you, you don't want somebody to come back to you a year later after you've raised your prices a couple of times and try to, you know, redeem an old proposal uh, that has your old rate on it. Um, you know, you want to make it very clear that this price and being able to meet this deadline you know, are only good if you accept this proposal by X date. Yeah, I guess if someone tried to do that to me, I'd be like, well, my, my rates have gone up. But I guess there's a sense that the proposal is binding to some degree. Or, I mean, I guess I guess you proposed it and they're going to come back and they're going to be super angry if you say, well, you took X number of months and since, since then I've doubled my rates. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, people are understanding if you tell them that, oh, I'm sorry that I can't honor that proposal from a year ago. Um, and, you know, and for the most part, the people that aren't very understanding about that aren't going to be very good clients. And that's a huge red flag that they're waving right in your face. Uh, and at that point you should probably decline to work with them anyway. Um, but it, it does help manage expectations and helps avoid, you know, any sense of disappointment at all that somebody's going to have in you about, oh, they told me they could do it for this price, but now they can't. And, you know, you're just making it very clear up front that, hey, this is a limited time offer. You need to either accept it or not. And if you don't and want to do something later, we're, we'll have to start a new conversation about it. 
Um, one big company that I've been working with over the last, I don't know, year and a half or so. So they're so big that they don't want to work with me directly. So I have to go through a third party, which they were like, oh, we'll pick up the tab for that. Don't worry. We just don't like dealing with small companies. Okay, fine. Like I make the same amount. Fine. So this smaller company then is officially getting my proposals and they're passing on to the bigger company, which already approved it because otherwise we wouldn't be talking to the smaller company. Regardless. (laughs) So I sent in a proposal to this smaller company, um, and like it was fine. I just had to like cut and paste the name of the big company, the small company. And they wrote back to me and said, we can't accept this proposal because it doesn't have a deadline on it. So I was like, fine. And they said, why don't you just make it a year from now? Because <laughs> we're going to be doing a whole bunch of work together. And this way, we don't need to ask you for new proposals because each course requires a new proposal. So I said, fine. So I, I set the proposal to expire in a year. And because I'm not going to raise my rates in a year uh, on these courses. And everyone was happy. <laughs> But I was a little surprised that they were demanding it rather than me. Yeah, that is odd. Um, that's yeah, they must have some very stringent uh, procurement procedures there for that Big kind of stuff. Companies. Big companies, yeah. always good yeah. for a laugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> we've gotten through the proposal stage. We've started to work on the project. Everyone is happy, and then, as you said, like. We're waiting on them for something. And it could be we're waiting on them for, I don't know, appro- like, okay, so I guess here we can divide it up too. So it could be we're waiting on them for answers. It could be we're waiting on them for work. It could be we're waiting on them for approval. Um, but in any case, we, we, we are waiting for them. So what do we do? Yeah, so there are, you know, so all of those things are a little bit different and some of them you can sort of prepare for in advance and lay some groundwork and some of them you can't. Um, you know, if you are delivering a redesign for a website, you know that there's going to be an approval process, a change request process, and then some sort of final sign off. Uh, so you can build that into your proposal and, you know, say that you're going to deliver first drafts on X date and that by the following Monday, you need to, you know, they need to have reviewed it and given you any feedback that they want in order for you to hit the deadline of delivering the final design by the Monday after that. Um, And so you can put that in the proposal and you can make it very clear that, you know, if uh, they don't get you anything by the required date that, that means that you're assuming that they like the first draft and that that's it and the thing's done. Uh, you know, and that's kind of a you know a personal style choice. Like some people would rather do that. Some people would rather say, you know, for every day that you don't get me the feedback that I need, that's going to delay the final delivery date by one day. Um, I would recommend putting some limit on that because you don't want to let somebody drag out what should be a short project into a very long project because they haven't bothered to review what they need to review and get you any feedback so that you can make any final changes. You know, you want to put some bounds on that so that it's not just an endless cycle. Right. I mean, Um, actually, I I like that idea of, you know, if you don't get back to us by day X, we will assume we have your approval. Um, First of all, I am positive never having tried this myself i'm positive that you'll then have someone call you the day after or the week after say oh i didn't realize or i was busy or whatever 
Um, but you have like, I don't want to say deniability, but you've covered yourself because you were very clear about this. Yeah. And, you know, also, I don't think that you just want to put that in the proposal and then that's it. You know, I think people would kind of take that as maybe a little bit of a poison pill that you kind of snuck in there. You know, I would pair that with very explicit communication in the in the interval between when you deliver the the rough draft and when you're expecting uh, the feedback, you know, and I would probably mention a few times, you know, in each of those follow ups that, hey, just a reminder, if you don't have any changes that you want to request by Monday, uh, you know, per the contract, that means it's final and the project is over. So please keep that in mind, um, you know, and you want to, you know, you want to be very upfront about that and keep it very clear so that nobody feels surprised when you then say, oh, hey, look, it's Tuesday morning and you never got me any feedback. So project's done. I mean, uh, I, I don't think I ever pushed clients on stuff like this in part because it was always sort of, you know, whenever the work comes in, like there was, there was rarely a deadline on things. Um, all right, we'll get this done. You'll get it done. Eventually get done. Um, when there were hard deadlines, then we just started <clears> to <throat> schedule. And then I don't think I ever had anyone in those rare cases delaying things. Um, but I mean, so, you know, a week or two could go by and nothing would happen. And we'd sort of just say, Hey, what's going on? And we would just ask them, but I don't think like, I, I think, I guess it was sort of implicit that them not getting back to us would delay things. I'm trying to think if there were any exceptions. Well, there was this one project I work on where, yeah, they sometimes wouldn't get back to us. That's true. And I think there, because they, that's right, that's right. We had to like have something ready for some sort of conference. And so I think we did then use that sort of, I don't want to say veiled threat because it was just a threat, but like explanation, <laughs> <laughs> a, a pleasant um, but a clear explanation that if you don't get back to us soon, we won't have this done in time for the conference, which is really important. And that shook them up enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when the client has a, a very explicit and obvious deadline, they're often a lot better about getting back with feedback than if they don't. Um, and it's, you know, really the times that they don't have a deadline that I feel like it's the most advantageous for you as the freelancer to really act as if there is a hard deadline and push to get it done just for the sake of getting the project closed out. And, you know, and depending on how you've structured your arrangement with the client, getting your final payment possibly. Uh, and, you know, just from, uh, the, my time writing an agency, I know that it's easy to tell yourself that just having this open project that you're waiting for them to get back to you on really isn't that big of a deal. And you can just kind of let it go and let them operate on their own timeline. But it's not as cost free as it seems at first. Uh, just the just having all these projects in a state of progress does require some mental effort from you to to stay involved and you know it's just a it's still an open thing that you have on your plate um, and I think there's real value in finishing projects and getting them closed out and being done with them just for freeing up mental space and reducing stress on yourself uh, and 
being able to focus. Uh, so, you know, I'm an advocate of, as the freelancer, you should really push for there being deadlines, even if your client doesn't feel like there are hard deadlines. That's true. That's true. And, and I guess like, I mean, even if there are no hard deadlines, um, you don't want them to say, oh, well, because they can easily blame you, right? Well, we would have moved ahead, but we were waiting for our freelancer on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember, like, in terms of clients <clears throat> actually doing work, uh, there was a project I was working on. This was already good, like, I don't know. Oh, my God, almost 20 years ago now that I think about it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it was, like, the software project and... I had a bunch of employees at that point and a few people on my team were working on it and we were like doing the web stuff and, and they were a bunch of database crews working on the database stuff and we were waiting on them and they just were not getting back to us. Uh, and it was very difficult because we'd call the manager. He'd be like, oh no, they, they're, they're sure they did it. And, and we would send them email and it would be like displayed into a black hole. And I had what turned out to be like, like, this revelation and I figured out how to solve it. And we solved it in like five minutes, which was we started using an issue tracker and boom, the moment that there's a timestamp on when these things were requested and you can then demonstrate like, and it's clear that things are documented that changed everything. So basically I said, you know what? Like I didn't say we're going to, we're going to use this to force your team in uh, like up against the wall. But I said, let's just keep track of everything in an issue tracker and we'll put in all the things we're waiting for from each other knowing that we were waiting on them for a whole bunch. They weren't waiting for us on anything. And really within a day, two days, it was super, super clear that they just had a bunch of the stuff they had not gone back to us about. Because like if they had, they could have just checked it off, but they didn't. And so that yeah. solved the problem for the rest of the project. Like not even a, a, a close to something bad happening after that on that front. Yeah. Um, and I think that brings up a, a good point about using issue trackers and things like that. Um, you know, a lot of people try to use their inbox as a to-do list and then have just a terribly messy inbox. I mean, I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm one of the worst offenders. So I'm explaining, you know, from, uh, <laughs> from the sense of being an offender, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't keep my inbox neat enough for it to be an effective to-do list. Uh, and so if that's the only place that I'm tracking stuff, it's very likely to get lost. And I think a lot of people are like that. Um, and having an issue tracker or something that is dedicated just to the one project that is a easy place that they can go to and see a list of things to be done and a list that they can check them off and get them off of there uh, and make it to where they're not relying on their inbox being a to-do list, uh, that really can help a lot in, in getting people to be responsive. Yeah, I'm one of the, I mean, I, I was so good about knocking down my inbox about two weeks ago. And now it's like, what do you know? I've gotten more mail. Really unfortunate on that front. Um, but yeah. better than it was at, at, one, at one point. But yeah, the, I, I agree. I agree. Um, having an issue tracker then removes, I mean, when I do that on a project, then it means I don't have to worry about keeping things in my inbox and figuring out what's new and what's old and what needs to be done. And so it definitely clears that space, both in my inbox and in my mind. I can say, okay, what do I need to do for project X, Y, Z? Oh, I see. That's the next thing on my plate. Great. Yep. Yeah. And even if it's something as simple as Trello, you know, uh, which is really pretty free form and 
you know, you can kind of do whatever you want with Trello. Um, you know, that can help a lot just in not being a inbox as to do list. And then you can get as crazy and fancy with it as you want, uh, all the way up to pivotal tracker and Jira and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've used a whole bunch of trackers. I do not have any particular favorite. Um, but just yeah. having something there where it can have a clear date. This is when we entered it. This is when it was handed off to you. Um, although something that sends email as a reminder also, hey, the following things are waiting on you, is probably not a bad idea. I'm guessing most of them do that nowadays. Yeah. And if there are, you know, really important things that are, you know, going to impact a milestone, it's probably worth even a personal, you know, follow-up email to remind people that you need a thing or that, you know, whatever the case is, um, you know, extra personalized communication really never hurts. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, what, what else can happen in terms of communication on a project that we're waiting on the client, they're ghosting us, uh, they're not responding to email. Like what, what, what else can happen on this front? Um, well, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, things that you can kind of predict that are going to happen based on the nature of the engagement. Uh, one that is hard to predict is just when you come up with questions that were not uncovered in the proposal process uh, that, you know, are blockers. And that that does sometimes happen. You know, hopefully your proposal process is robust enough that you learn a lot of that stuff up front. But inevitably there will be something that you need answers on before you can proceed. Um, and, you know, for that, I think the – the best thing I've found is just persistent but polite follow-up until you have what you need. Um, and, you know, the usually the very first time that I send an email asking whatever the, the new thing is, um, you know, I will try to make it clear that, hey, you know, this is new information that I didn't realize I was going to need. But until I have it, I can't proceed on X. Uh, please get me this as soon as you can. Um, and then really daily follow up uh, until I get it. Um, and I know daily sounds maybe a little too persistent, but I think it's about right if it's something that's really blocking progress on the project. Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm remembering now we had a project where um, – they weren't paying us. And I realized again, it's not exactly the oh. same thing. And so, <laughs> yeah, <that's a> different... <laughs> right. But like, and I emailed them and I emailed them and I didn't get a response. <clears throat> and this might come as a surprise, but there's this fantastic technology called a telephone. <laughs> and I called them. And what do you know? That got their attention <laughs> very quickly. Especially like the one was like, oh, but I'm on a train and I'm going to a meeting. I was like, good. So, We'll get off the phone. You'll call the office. You'll tell them to pay. End of story. And <laughs> and sure enough, like it was it was amazingly effective. So I, I would say it doesn't just have to be when people owe you money, although that's always a, like a, a good time to do it. I mean, bad time to do it, good time to do it. But um, <laughs> you should uh, not be afraid to call people on the phone. 
Yeah, especially nowadays when we're inundated with email and SMS and WhatsApp and whatnot. Um, yep. I think that definitely sort of sticks out as, hey, I'm serious, pay attention. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, sometimes that's really the best way to get answers to some questions, especially if you're going to have, uh, you know, follow up questions based on whatever the answer turns out to be to the first question. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just easier to call them up, get them on the phone. Um, you know, so sometimes that might even be your first, your first, you know, line of attack. And then maybe if, you know, you've tried emailing and haven't had any response in a couple of days, uh, that's probably a good time to pick up the phone. Um, have you ever had a client like go dark on you, ghost you? Yeah. Uh, I've had a number of it back in the days when we were doing the agency. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some that I think just kind of start, you know, got into the project and then realized that they were busy with other stuff and just kind of stopped being responsive. Uh, and, and, you know, and at the time we didn't really have a good follow-up game. We didn't have, you know, this was before I learned a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about today about how to follow up, how to manage. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely had projects that, you know, we'd send a first draft of a design and say, Hey, let us know what you think and you know what you want changed. And we wouldn't hear from them at all. So we'd let a week or two weeks go by and we'd send up a, send a follow-up email, still nothing. You know, we get busy doing other stuff. Several weeks have gone by and we realize, Oh yeah, that we've still got this project open and we haven't gotten paid for it. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's follow up some more. Um, and yeah, I've definitely had clients just kind of disappear. Um, and I, I don't think that it was usually intentional. I think it was usually a combination of them being busy with other stuff, that project not being their top priority and us sucking at following up and you know, driving the project to completion on our end. And we should have been better at that. Right. And, and, and I mean, <laughs> I don't know about with your stuff. Often when I was working on projects, to me, it was very, I was, oh my God, this project is so big. It's so important. I'm going to concentrate on it. It's not the only thing they are dealing with. They're dealing with lots of other stuff and you might be second, third, fifth, 10th, 20th priority. Um, yep. So flagging them, getting their attention, Letting them know that you're waiting on them to move ahead is is a, often a good thing. And they're not going to be upset about it. I mean, they, they shouldn't be upset about it. Yeah, no, if it's a project that they actually want to have done, they're not going to be upset about you following up and, you know, trying to help get it done. Um, you know, and if, if the problem on their end is just that they're busy and they haven't had time to prioritize it, you know, I think busy people understand that, Sometimes you just need to stay on them until they're finally like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, I've been blowing you off. Let's get this done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do, let let me let me turn the tables a little bit. Like, what if you are the one who's late? Let's say, what if we're mm. the one who's late? Like, how should we react when they contact us? My 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 general reaction is to be really 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 apologetic and try to not let it happen again. Um, and I say this as a person who does everything last minute, 
and or late, as my family will happily attest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if, if we're talking about, you know, being late on delivery of a project, uh, if, in my opinion, if a client contacts me about a thing being late, uh, that is super bad. They should not have to contact me about a thing being late. I should be contacting them the very instant that I realize that the thing is going to be late. Uh, and I want to, you know, let them know, Hey, you know, even if, even if I don't have good reasons and it's just, Hey, I'm sorry, I dropped the ball on this and I am not going to be able to get it done in the timeline that I promised. But here's my best guess as to what I can do and when it will be delivered. Uh, you know, I, I really don't ever want, a client to be contacting me asking where's that thing and then you know for it to like be a surprise to me that oh wait what that's late <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know I, I should know i should know and i should be telling them before they have a chance to know that it is late um you know that's that's kind of my general response to that i realize that sometimes that's not always possible and you know life happens and sometimes balls get dropped um and if, you know, if they are contacting me about a thing that's late that I didn't realize and that I hadn't already communicated with them about it, um, you know, the first first line is be very apologetic uh, and then do everything that I can to get it done as quickly as possible without cutting corners um, and just be communicative to them about, you know, when they can expect me to complete my end of the deal. I, I often find like if I'm late on something or especially if I'm late multiple times on something, I try to suggest, why don't we have like a weekly catch up call? Um, I mean, it's a good idea to have anyway, but that acts mm -hmm. as a forcing function to ensure that I'm going to get things done before the call. Cause I won't want to seem like an idiot. And it also allows me to say, okay, if I'm not gonna get things done, then I can tell them in advance. And it gives me a like deadline to do that. Yeah. Uh, and um and yeah like it's 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 bad you don't want to be that way i mean um so like i'm i'm working on a book now for a publisher and i've tried to as i've dragged it out <laughs> stupendously email my editor and say okay this is when you can expect to get such and such um to like set semi realistic expectations also tell her i haven't forgotten about her and the worst of course is as i'm composing that email when she says to me Hey, so where is it? <laughs> so <laughs> better to send such messages earlier rather than later. I always have it like in composition and then I get that message <laughs> and that's like, that's the worst of the worst. Then I feel yeah. especially guilty. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be fair, that's a little bit different of a, of an arrangement than, you know, being late on a project for a client, I would imagine. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like there's no yeah. hard deadline here. Although I'm sure their budgeting people are tearing out their hair at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, we expected this in this quarter. But um, but right, it's it's not like, oh, we need to have the website up in time for, you know, the holiday season. Um, and that means having it up X number of weeks beforehand or else, right? And or else is or else the company goes out of business, right? It's, it's, the stakes are, have never been that high in almost anything I've done. Yeah, you're working low pressure then. 
yeah, yeah. I, mean, I remember even even years ago. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess the the most high pressure thing I dealt with in the last few years was um, when a client of mine with whom I've been working for years. So they were on Shark Tank on TV, and we knew mm. when it was going to air, and we knew that when they went on TV, it would just explode the number of people coming to our website. So we spent a lot of time making sure the servers were really, really ready for that, including talking to other companies that have been on Shark Tank to find out how much traffic they had gotten and then going above and beyond that. So <laughs> we definitely had, like, we over-engineered this, but, like, we had to do that. Otherwise, bad news. And um, basically, we had a hard deadline. And, and actually, now, it turns out, whenever they do reruns of our show on Shark Tank, they warn us in advance so that we can re-fire up those extra servers, <laughs> um, which is very kind of them. Although I think, yeah, with each airing, it gets less and less uh, important. But yeah. basically, um, yeah, so that was a big deadline. But then I would say also, everyone was on the same page. This was the highest priority for everyone. So we were just talking all the time. We were always in Slack, always on the phone, always in email. And it, there wasn't the chance of anyone sort of dropping off the face of the earth. So so I'll, I'll go back to the thing I started with, which is, you know, proposals and money and so forth. What if, so you send your invoice to them, and then, what do you know, you don't hear back from them. I mean, this, I guess we've done, you know, plenty of shows on as well, but I figure this sort of fits into this whole topic, so we can at least dive into a little bit. Mm, yeah. Um, and I know, that Jonathan's, I know that Jonathan's answer is, get paid in advance. Okay. And for those of us mortals out there. Uh... Yeah, I mean, largely I agree with Jonathan. You know, I've, I've started doing that and it is a huge relief. And, you know, it's, it, it also does allow me to be 100% focused on the project and never on wondering, am I going to get paid for this work? Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, clearly some of the best advice, but not always doable. And sometimes you do end up with a client that is supposed to pay you and doesn't. And that really sucks. Um, so the first thing I would recommend is that if it is, so, so there, there are kind of two scenarios where this might happen, right? Uh, there could be you've delivered your final design and they're supposed to sign off and then send you a final payment and that's it. That's the end of the project. Uh, or there's, you know, maybe you're working on a weekly rate or a monthly rate and this is going to be an ongoing thing. Or maybe, you know, they're supposed to do one third up front, one third at some date and then one third later. Um, the point is maybe they... You know, the, the two scenarios are you've finished all of the work and then they are supposed to pay you or they're supposed to pay you and they haven't and there's still work to be done. Um, in the first scenario where you've completed all the work and they're supposed to pay you, you know, that is just kind of a bad place to find yourself and, you know, lots of follow-ups, um, you know, being polite, you know, or at least starting polite, you know, you don't want to immediately go to angry. Um, but then in the second scenario where there is still work to be done, you know, at that point you can make it very clear, Hey, you've missed a payment. That means that the project is on hold until that payment is made. 
And until we, you know, then can figure out why it was missed or why it's late, uh, what we can do to avoid that happening in the future, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like that was sort of a rambling answer. Um, no, 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 no. Make, <laughs> makes sense to me. I mean, I've had a few people recently, like I've gotten better. It's not perfect, but better uh, about, um, oh, I hear my, my neighbor's playing piano again. Sorry to all your listeners <laughs> out there. Or if you enjoy music, I'm happy to be providing you with entertainment as well as information. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, yeah, it comes down to trying to be nice and trying to talk to them. It depends how much money it is also. Like I have two clients right yeah. now from the last 18 months who owe me some money. It's not a ton of money. It's something. And the question is then, like, how much am I going to go out of my way to send them email and call them up and talk to them when the odds are they're just not going to pay? Um, and should I have got myself the situation? Maybe not. But, like, I communicated a lot with them. They know, or they knew at least. And I think they're just, like, they're, they're ignoring me because they either can't or don't want to. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I had I actually had years ago a business manager working like for me, helping me manage my company, and she said, "Oh, I'll get the money. Don't worry." I was like, "What are you going to do?" She said, "I'm going to go to their offices and sit in the sit in the lobby until they pay." <laughs> I was like, "What?" So she actually did that. Like, she went to the office. She said, "Hi, is you know the boss in?" They said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, I'm here from you know Learner Consulting. I like to be paid." Oh, he'll he'll he won't be able to see you right now. She said, "Okay, I'll wait," and sat down in like the reception area, <laughs> and. It was remarkably effective. We only had to do this like once or twice, but I was very impressed because that like, it's very hard to, to sort of ignore someone sitting there um, patiently saying, well, you know, you'll, you'll pay and then I'll be happy to go. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic technique. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in the, in the situation where there's more work to be done, I really can't stress enough that once a payment has been missed, you really do need to put the project on hold and be very firm about that and just say, look, the project is not progressing until you meet your financial commitments. Um, you know, I, at my old agency, we got ourselves into a huge hole by trusting a client that had said, Hey, I know we're late on that payment, but it's going to be coming in two weeks. And then, you know, two weeks came and it was like, oh, yeah, we've got a big payment coming in from one of our clients. It'll be two weeks and I promise we'll pay you. And this went on for quite a while, all all as we were continuing to work on the project. Um, and then it got to the point where, you know, the project was really done and they owed us, I think, $50,000. Um, and wow. Yeah. <laughs> that So. I mean, you know, we knew we knew early that they were having problems paying us and we should have said, OK, you know, we'll be happy to continue the project once you are caught up on your payments. Uh, but instead, we, you know, kind of naively trusted them when they said, hey, we're, you know, we're trying to work it out and we definitely want to pay you. Uh, and, you know, they they really kind of didn't or you know whatever i I still don't really know exactly what happened but the end result was we didn't get paid uh so don't you know don't continue to work once a payment has been missed just don't do it right right and 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 a lot of times i mean (laughs) i've also had this problem 
And, and my, my father once told me, like, well, what was it? You know, I never met a con man I didn't like. Right? I'm not trying, <laughs> and I'm not trying to say that these clients are all, like, you know, con artists or something. But basically, these people who seem so nice and sweet and helpful, and, oh, their business is just having a little bit of trouble, and if you just help them out, then they'll get up and they'll be able to pay you back. Right? They're really, really good at convincing people what to do. Um, and so, first of all, don't feel bad if they convince you to. But, yeah, it's very easy to get lulled into that, oh, yeah, well, I want to help them succeed. And we're all in this business because we want to help people. So here, look, I'm mm-hmm. helping him. And he'll pay me right after that. What could be better? Well, what could be better is paying you now. <laughs> and then, then continuing to help. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, something that you might run into there, especially if you're kind of subcontracting for somebody, uh, something I've seen multiple times is, you know, the the general contractor has made an agreement with a subcontractor to pay, you know, whatever it is on whatever schedule, and they end up missing that. And when the subcontractor goes to them and says, "Hey, you, you know, you haven't paid me, so I'm I'm going to stop work," uh, it's not uncommon for that general contractor person to pull out, you know, new. Basically, they want to redefine the agreement for getting paid and they want to turn it into well look i i can't get paid or i can't pay you until the end client pays me and they're not going to pay me until we finish the project so i need you to keep working on this so that you can get paid uh and you know it's it's really kind of a scam uh that i've seen people pull where you know they're just not upfront in the very beginning about, hey, you're not going to get paid for this until I get paid for this. And so we're both at the mercy of this other client. Uh, but then they want to bring that out as justification for not living up to their agreement when they've just said, hey, I will pay you X number of dollars on Y day. Uh, and, you know, that is just a, not a fun situation to be in. So, uh, again, I recommend avoiding it by trying to get paid up front. Um, but if you do find yourself in that situation, you know, uh, it, it's a tough call, you know, and in some cases, maybe continuing to do some work to try to finish the project might get you paid. It might not. It's really hard to save. So, you know, you kind of have to use your judgment. Um, I wish I had better strategy for that. Do you have anything to recommend yeah, well, there, Ruben. You reminded me now with your description of a project I worked on. I see now it was about 10 years ago. And um, we were working as subcontractors to someone. And so there were two subcontracting firms and the main contracting firms. So it was three companies doing the project for this um, for, for this organization. And like the payment income, the payment income. I was like, what's going on? And like they said, well, we haven't been paid everything. And when we get paid by the main client, or by the client, then we'll be happy to pay you. I was like, this is ridiculous. How can they not have been paid? And I was furious with the client, furious. And so I actually contacted the client directly, like after I was stonewalled, contacted the client directly, who I, I didn't know very well, but I knew at least a little bit. I was like, what the hey? And she wrote me back and said, actually, I've paid everything. I withheld a little bit because they were dishonest and such and such, but I definitely paid everything they got the money this is nonsense 
And then mm. I talked to the other subcontractors and we all basically ganged up on the main contracting firm and beat them up into, I mean, not, not literally. Yeah. I couldn't beat up anyone, but beat them up into, <laughs> um, you know, paying us, but it was extremely, extremely unpleasant to discover like over the course of 48 hours, wait, the client actually did pay. Like we thought the client was stiffing us and that the contracting main contractors were the good guys. And we found mm-hmm. out very quickly, actually it was completely the opposite. And basically uh, like within that time we, we pulled out of the project, like both, both I and this other subcontracting firm, we were like, we can't, we, we, we're not going to work with these sorts of people. Um, yeah. But it was very difficult. And and there, once again, like phone calls made, like some, some of it was email, but then there were a bunch of phone calls as well, which made it clear how important this was. And I think in the end, the contracting firm was like, look, we don't have the money. I was like, I don't care. You were paid. Yeah, well, and, I, and then I, I explained to them that I had paid my employees' salary and benefits like over the last previous few months. And this was paying, like paying me back as it were. I'd like fronted the money for them. This was totally unacceptable. And they were like, oh, now we get it. And then I think they sent in like two different installments or something, but yeah, boy, oh boy. Yeah. And you know, that's another kind of uh, trick that I've seen contractor type people try to pull is, you know, Oh, you know, oh, woe is me. I, I don't have money on hand. And if, if I were to pay you, I would have to take out a loan to do it. And, you know, my response to that is, yeah, go to the bank. Go go get that loan. You said you were going to pay me and you didn't. And, you know, that's on you. You didn't. And, and this is, you know, it, it comes down to managing risk. Like, you know, the contractor, if they know that they're in a situation that they can't pay their subcontractors until the client pays, and they don't tell that to the subcontractors, they're transferring risk to the subcontractor without making that apparent and without giving the subcontractor a way to price in that risk. Um, and it's, you know, it's just shady. It's, and so when they pull out the, oh, woe is me, if, you know, if I were to pay you, I would have to endure some sort of hardship. Uh, that's, that's all about gaslighting you and trying to get you to go, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't want you to do that. I wouldn't want you to have to go out of your way to make sure I get paid. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just shady. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anything else you can think of? I think we covered a lot, a lot of good ground here. Anything else you can think of before we wrap up and move on to picks? No, I think that's all I've got today. So, what do you got in terms of picks? Uh, just one pick today, uh, a book I've just started reading called How to Fight a Hydra by Josh Kaufman. Uh, and it's uh, it's really a very small book. I imagine I'm going to get through it pretty quickly, but it's kind of an, an allegory uh, for completing projects and doing big, ambitious things uh, that's told you know, through battling a hydra. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it sounds kind of odd, but uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'll remember that next time I uh, bump into a mythical beast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, we talked a little bit earlier about email and not using your inbox. So I've been really trying hard to reduce my inbox usage and to get things out of the way. And one major, major thing I've been doing has been ramping up on the filters. I use Thunderbird as an email client and ramping up on the filters that erase the the 
reminders and updates and cron jobs and whatnot from my inbox. And it has been so freeing because it used to be that just email would arrive in my inbox all the time. And a lot of it was this automatically generated stuff that even looking at it for five seconds, two seconds, one second, it required thought on my part. So I've been going wild, um, basically writing filters. And these are not hard to do, right? You know, Thunderbird makes it really easy. I've heard rumors that there are other email programs out there and systems that you can use (laughs) to do similar things. But basically, like, if there are messages that you're getting on a regular basis that you don't really need to see, get rid of them automatically. I tell you, it's like reduced my, my uh, 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 you know, I don't know, my, my sense of guilt about dealing with my email by quite a bit. That said, make sure you don't go overboard. So, like, I have this automatic message that's sent to me uh, that says that a certain server is running out of disk space. And when I sent a whole bunch of cron jobs to the trash automatically, that probably should not have been included. Um, yeah, no. I, I found it in time, but uh, um, I, I figured it out. But like, I made that into an exception. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to overfilter uh, sometimes. All right. Well, I guess that is it for this week. Um, as always, if you have suggestions for topics we can cover, for guests we should invite, for books we should read, for personal advice that you want to give us. Okay, maybe that's not quite as welcome. Please send us uh, email or you contact us through the show notes. Um, as always, Jeremy, thanks a lot. And we will speak to you next week on The Freelancer Show. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.